when Kennedy asked me to prepare this message on creation, I thought that I would um, approach the subject from a slightly different angle. But before we start, uh, could we just pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are almighty God. We thank you for your wonderful creation. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing to you. Amen. A comment that I sometimes encounter when I talk about the creation week is we've only got God's word for it. Is that the best you've got? And what about the billions of years? And then I think to myself, well, there certainly wouldn't have been many witnesses hanging around for a billion years to see evolution at work. I just thought I'd, um, I'd give a little bit of an illustration. I want you to imagine that this is a cell. This is one cell. Keep an eye on that. And I'm going to, can anyone see over here? Can you see this one? This is another cell. Now that cell there, science says that it can't come to life from nothing. But we'll give it to the evolutionists that that's one cell. And that cell would like to be a female. And this cell over here, it would like to be a male. Now this cell has got no information in it so it doesn't actually know what its target is. It doesn't know what it's going to look like. It doesn't know whether it's got arms or legs or eyes or it doesn't know whether it's got a sense of smell and neither does the male one. So in the evolution world this cell might be say mutating somewhere in Russia but then it doesn't know that it's in Russia because it hasn't got a brain so and we don't know anything about words so it's just sitting somewhere in the evolution world and this one here it's sitting somewhere else it could be down in South America or in Africa or somewhere so it's sitting there now time goes by and all these mutations happen and of course mutations generally are negative so they don't go towards intelligence they go backwards but anyway we'll give it to them that over a couple of billions of years this becomes a beautiful woman or what it thinks it's a beautiful woman and this one here becomes a a macho man or what it thinks it is then how do they get together? They could be 20,000 miles apart. But anyway, let's just say they get a blind date and they finish up in Paris, wherever Paris is. And then the two foot six woman meets the 12 foot nine man and they look at each other and the first thing he says to her, if he can speak, is, can you cook? 
And then she says to him, are you going to just sit and watch the cricket all day on TV? Now, of course, none of them know what cooking is because they don't know what food is. He doesn't know what a TV is. But what happens, guys, if the woman doesn't know how to speak? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> brave move, Phil, brave move. But can you see how absolutely ludicrous that scenario is? How did we become the wonderfully made people that we are by chance, by the roll of a dice? Because that is exactly what it is. When God made man, he formed man out of the earth. It was a, a, a labour of love. He crafted man and what did he do? And from the man he took the woman. So there's a pattern there. They work together. That's how God made us. So, I just want you to, 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 you to realise how, how silly the idea of evolution really is. We can see the glory of the Lord from the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. We've only got to look outside and see how everything, whilst it is so complex, is, is built, is, works so well together. But wouldn't it be great if we could find some other credible witnesses to God's extraordinary handiwork? Let's think about it for a moment. Were there any other witnesses to God's creation week. How about we go through the Bible and see what we can find? And of course, it is critical that we find a witness or witnesses who tell us the truth. After all, that is what witnesses are supposed to do, right? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. First question. Do we believe what Jesus just said? Do we believe that Jesus is the embodiment of truth and that he was telling the truth when he made this statement? And that believing in him is the only way to a purpose-filled life on earth and to an eternal life with the Father and Jesus? In your experience... Has Jesus ever told you a lie? Or has he given you any reason to doubt him? In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 4, the Apostle John describes Jesus Christ as the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. And no one knew Jesus better than John. In fact, all of the disciples laid down their lives for Jesus such was his witness to them. So from all of this, we can conclude that Jesus is who he says he is. Truthful, a credible witness. And just an aside here, there are those who try to tell us that Jesus never existed. 
I find it absolutely incredulous that people living today who had no idea of what was, it was like 2,000 years ago uh, can just dismiss the accounts, the historical accounts of Jesus' life, death and, and resurrection. There were secular historians who gave eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, such as the highly credentialed Jew Josephus. There are many others like him. How can such men simply be cancelled? Well, in John 4 verse 9, Jesus goes on to say, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is saying that my Father and I are so alike that you cannot tell us apart. We have the same values, the same morals, the same ideals of justice and mercy and grace, a oneness in truth and spirit. What we are looking at here is a unity of thought and belief and holiness that is unparalleled in the history of all mankind. This is further confirmed in Colossians 1.15 where the Apostle Paul says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Then in John 3 verse 35, John the Baptist said that the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. What do you think everything entails? Well, his might and his creative power his omnipresence, that is his ability to be everywhere at the same time. His omniscience, which is his all-knowing intelligence. His healing power. His access to limited, limitless resources to provide for his people. And the list goes on. But in humility, Jesus clarifies this statement by saying in John 5.19, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. This is Jesus speaking about himself. To give us a better understanding, what this means is that, all this means is that Almighty God is the source of all that is needed. He is the holy and righteous power plant and Jesus is the conduit through which all God wants done is carried out. But just a note of caution, each role is of equal importance. It is different but is of equal importance. So how does this partnership work in practice? Well, speaking of Christ, the Apostle Paul states in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, For in him all things were made, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So let's summarise what we know so far. Firstly, Jesus is truthful, and he would be a credible witness. The Son can do nothing by himself. 
Jesus only does what the Father tells him to do. Having said that, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and anyone who has seen Jesus has seen the Father. In Jesus, all things were created through him and for him. So Jesus had to be there at creation to carry out Almighty God's plan and as a result is a credible witness of God's creation. So let us pretend that we are a detective. Is there any other evidence in the Bible that puts Jesus at the scene of creation and at the time of the creation week? Well, yes, because the Apostle John tells us in, in John chapter 1, verse 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So who is the Word? The answer to this question is found in verse 14. I'm sure you, you know it. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Who became flesh? And who dwelt among us? John has just talked about that. The answer to both questions is Jesus, when he came to earth as a man and died on the cross for us. Jesus is here linked to God. Remember that Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And verse 2 says that he, that is Jesus, was with God at the beginning. Because Jesus was the firstborn of all creation. So when John was talking about the beginning, what was he talking about? You would be correct if you said that John was talking about creation. There is only one beginning. The meaning of create is to literally bring into existence from nothing. The only way energy the only way energy or anything can be created would be supernaturally by God's divine hand. Why do we know this? Well, real science says this. That is the first law of thermodynamics. The law of conservation of energy says that the energy is constant. So the universe could have not have come into existence without divine intervention. It's the only way it can happen. So the evidence shows us that Jesus was with the Father and when he was, and when he was used by Father God to create the heavens and the earth from nothing. There is further evidence of Jesus' eyewitness testimony of his knowledge of creation. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, Jesus himself said, at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and become one flesh. This is a direct reference to the creation account in Genesis 2, verse 24. Jesus was used by Father God to create male and female. He was there so he could give this eyewitness statement. 
Was there any other witness to creation? And can that witness be trusted to tell the truth? Well, Genesis 1 verse 2 says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In John 15 26, Jesus said that he would leave us with the Spirit of truth. When the Spirit, when the Helper comes, whom will I send to you from the Father? That is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. So now we have three witnesses, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now how do we reconcile this with Genesis 1 verse 1? In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There's one God. Well in the Hebrew the word shown in place of God is Elohim. Don Stewart from the website Revelation Made Clear says that it is used to describe God as the awesome and majestic creator. Don also states that the I-M suffix means three or more in Hebrew. The L-O means God, and, and he believes that, and I believe that, this L-O-M relates to the Holy Trinity, to the three from one. This interpretation is supported by well-known creation speaker and author of a number of theological, scientific and historical commentaries on Genesis, Jonathan Safati. This view is further supported by the language that is used in Genesis 1.26 where God said, let us make man in our image and let them rule over the earth. Who is us and who is our, if not the triune Godhead, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit? So the Bible confirms to us that there were three witnesses to the creation event and they are all truthful, faithful and credible. They all testify to the accuracy and the authenticity of creation. So why is it important that we know the truth about the creation event? Firstly, the simple fact that Almighty God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it in six days and everything was very good, all the information was there, all the genetic codes were there, for every animal, for every tree, for every person. And God had finished all the work, tells us the following, because there is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new. When God created everything and it was good, he said it is finished. There's nothing more. It shows us that Almighty God is all-powerful, all-intelligent and omnipresent, the fact that every atom and particle in the universe works together and has do done so continuously for 6,000 years without any need of any interference by mankind is a testimony to God's inventiveness and his amazing workmanship. When scientists and researchers make discoveries, all they are doing 
is uncovering and playing around with what God has already put in place. God made it all and has written his manual, which is the Bible, to show us how we are to live and how we are to look after his creation. How should we apply this knowledge of creation in our everyday lives? May I strongly suggest to everyone that you read the first three chapters of Genesis. You will see how God created every living thing from the seed within themselves and that everything is reproduced after their own kind. We are made in God's image. We are his crowning glory. We need to be grateful that God cares so much for us and we need to show that thankfulness in the way that we live our lives and bring honour and glory to him. God created the sun and the moon and the stars and they are used for signs and seasons and they have continued to do so since creation. God is in control. Man is sinful and if left unchecked will try and direct the focus of all activity and thought away from God toward self. These are just some of the filters that I use to discern whether something is right or wrong, good or evil, worth supporting or worth ignoring. They are my concrete posts in the ground that anchor my response to all that is going on around me. In this age of misinformation, we all need these filters to try and make sense of what is going on in the world. Having said all that, God is in control and we need to abide in him and we need not be afraid. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal Father, our great creator God, we acknowledge, Lord, that you created everything. We thank you, Lord, that you and the Holy Spirit and Almighty God, our Father God, were there together at creation. We thank you, Father, that you have made us wonderfully and fearfully. Lord, we are a testimony. The way that we are made is a testimony to your greatness and to your design, your wonderful design for us. Lord, we pray that as we acknowledge your greatness, that we will not be fearful, that we will know that we can place our lives in your hands because you are the one that made us. You are the one that is in control. Help us, Lord, to understand these truths. Lord, let them sink and become concrete posts in our lives. Let them be filters for us to enable us to discern what is right and what is wrong and how we are to live our lives. Lord, we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.